Welcome into the student section. It's time for our 2017-2018 college basketball season preview episode. Matt Murphy across from Tom Scabelli and Dan DiOrio. And guys, we're very pleased to be joined by Reegs from Barstool. Handles a lot of their, most of their college basketball stuff over there. You can find him on Twitter at Barstool Reegs, R-E-A-G-S. He's also the co-host of the Fundamentally Sound podcast. Reegs, thanks for giving us some time. I know you've been doing a lot of these and that's a good sign, though, because that means that college basketball season is upon us. Yeah, no problem, man. I mean, yeah, like you said, it's been, I think this is like my fourth podcast this week, which <laughs> is a good thing. Like, it's it's talking about the season, not talking about FBI investigations and all that <laughs> other crap. So, it's definitely, like, I'm excited that it's here. Um, I kind of wish we got a little bit better games to kick us off. Like, last year we had... Uh, the two games out in Hawaii, which was uh, Michigan State, Kansas, or, yeah, Michigan State, uh, Michigan State, Arizona, and Indiana, Kansas. But there's there's still a lot of good games. It's still it's still basketball. So yeah, I'm pretty jazzed up for it. Yeah, it feels like Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And just a quick little rundown of our show here. We're gonna talk about some teams at the top of the show, and we'll move the conversation into some players. And then a few few random things, maybe not FBI investigation related, but some other things around the world of college basketball. And we'll wrap up with our Start the Buses segment, which is just a bunch of rapid-fire questions, which we usually do with our guests who are usually players at the college level, but we're obviously very happy to have someone like you on for this episode to preview the season. So let's jump right into it just for the sake of time and talk about some teams. And we should probably start with teams that are just the, the favorites, I mean, at this point in the season and uh, in the preseason, like your your uh, your Dukes, your Arizona, Michigan State, if you look at the poll. Kentucky. Yeah, and I mean, I, that's a team that I want to start with, Dan. Good job bringing that up because, <laughs> obviously, Riggs, you have a connection to Kentucky, and I'm not that high on them this year. I like most of the other teams in that mix, your Villanovas, your Kansases, uh, Wichita State even, better than Kentucky in that mix, but I think... Michigan State and Duke are definitely the two teams that most people are talking about right now. Yeah, I agree with you about Kentucky. Um, I had them six in my preseason. I, they were five in the AP. I had Villanova above them. Um, I, I understand the Wichita State love. I, you know, I had Wichita State right behind. I had Wichita State eight. I had USC right behind Kentucky. So I, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, scream about that. Um, Kentucky's going to be a weird team, though, because I don't know what to make of them. Like usually have a pretty good read on the team. Usually know who's going to be the guy, what to expect offensively. You know, this year it's the, I think Kevin Knox is the guy. I think you know I think maybe PJ Washington or Jared Vanderbilt when when they come back healthy. Like I, I just don't know. It, so it, yeah, it's definitely I understand why people aren't high on them. I'm not necessarily super high on them either. Uh, but yeah, I agree that you know I. I I agree that Michigan State and Duke are the two favorites. I don't agree, though, that it's a like huge jump to other teams. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I'm a guy that usually likes Kentucky. I like to pencil them in, you know, to at least the Elite Eight or Final Four, you know, even preseason. But when you think about last year and previous years, they've had a guy, you know, last year it was like Fox. And, you know, this year, I don't know if there is that one guy that you could key in on, but I think John Calipari is top two, top three coach in all of college basketball. So I think he'll he'll figure it out. Uh, more often than not. But I want to talk about a team that you touched on, Wichita State, because I think in my mind the two best teams in college basketball are, are Duke, just based on talent. And I think Wichita State wow. is right up there, too. That's a hot take. I know it's a scorching bold. hot take, but if I told you that there was a team that you know had, had a really good season last year, went to the tournament, 
won-one game, took Kentucky, you know, basically down to the wire, had a really good showing against them. They were a top-10 team uh, against Ken Palm, 31 in, in Ken Palm, 31-5 and five last year, and they were returning basically everybody, taking the jump to a bigger conference, which will help their seeding. They've got one of the best coaches in college basketball and Greg Marshall. I just think if they weren't named Wichita State, they'd, you know, be higher on a lot of people's radar. I don't agree with that because they're still eighth like or seventh, you know, depending where you. Well, look. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but I feel like they'd be in like that top, top group. I think they're in that secondary group behind, you know, the Duke, Michigan State, Arizona, maybe. Yeah, I still don't think so. I mean, just when you look at from a talent factor, like, like Villanova is a more talented team. Kansas is a more talented team. Duke's a more talented team. Michigan State's a more talented team. Arizona's a more talented team. So right off the bat, you're at five, which puts them at six. Um, and then, I, you know, I, they're a good team. I, I think they're right where they are, like seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that range. Um, because you kind of have to, like, I love Ken Palm. I love his ratings and everything like that. But you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt last year with how bad the MVC was. Like, they yeah. just obliterated teams, which credit to them, but they also weren't super challenged either. Um, so it, it's the numbers were there. They are a good team. They return a lot. I think that they are a Final Four caliber team. I just don't think they're more talented than – I mean, you have them second. I, there's no way they're more talented than Michigan State or Arizona but do you think or be, Nova for that factor. Do you think being in the American is going to help their seeding uh, more this year? Because, I mean, they got shafted last bit, year. But, a little bit, but look at what the American – what happened to the American and how the committee views the American. US, or, uh, SMU and Cincinnati both were high on Ken Palm, both had really good records, and they were six seats. Um so the American doesn't have like a great deal of respect by the committee. Uh, they, they've shown that. Now again, you have Wichita in that helps. That helps Wichita. That helps Cincinnati. But what what they need is UConn to be UConn. They need that middle of the pack to win non conference games. Like the American just doesn't win non conference games outside of Cincinnati or SMU the last couple of years. Until that happens, yeah, it'll help the seeding from the Missouri Valley to the American, but. You know they're still going to get punished, you know, from like the powers. They're the main major six conferences. Yeah, I'm on Riggs's side here when it comes to Wichita State. Tom, I'm not as high on them. I'm not as, saying as they you have the NBA talent. Well, you said a top two team talent wise. I didn't know, not talent wise. I just think they're they're a really good college basketball team. I mean that. Yeah, they all we're all we're talking about a whole bunch of good college basketball teams. But yeah, I think Wichita State's a, a few notches down behind the likes of the teams that we were just talking about. But, Dan, when it comes to the favorites, wh- who are you thinking? Because a team we haven't really talked about yet is Arizona. I know you know a couple guys on that team, and they've got a lot of talent back as well, not to mention freshmen like DeAndre Ayton coming in. So they're, they're a squad to look at in the favorite. Arizona definitely is one of my uh, – I don't even know if you could call him a sleeper, but Tom coming out of nowhere with the Wichita State pick. I, I mean, I it's like, not out of nowhere. They're a top-ten team. I just am right, higher on them than not other people. S- we're talking about – the bottom end teams in the favorites group and, and where they should be at. But Arizona is a team that's up there, but I think just in our conversation here has kind of taken a step Absolutely. back. Absolutely. You mentioned uh, DeAndre Ayton. They got Chase Jeter coming in too. They have my friend Tyler Trillo on the team. I'm excited you to don't, see. You don't, need to, you don't need to name drop a walk-on in this. <laughs> I'm excited to see what well, you she, haven't even mentioned Brandon Randolph either. I'm, I'm, I <laughs> was no making Tyler my way Trillin. down the roster, <laughs> but yeah. I, I'm really excited to see Sean Miller, uh, how he can coach with this team, because I think we're at the point in his career where he's ready to take the next step. And this roster definitely gives him that flexibility. And I think that this team could be prepared for a deep run come March. So what's your take on that, Riggs? Do you agree with, with that Arizona pick? 
Yeah, I mean, Arizona makes a lot of sense as a pick for, you know, a Final Four or a, t- a title. Um, my fear with them is can Parker Jackson Cartwright take care of the ball? He's He's been a little careless with it. Uh, you still have the FBI investigation kind of looming over them. It's still 18- and 22-year-old kids. Who knows what's going to happen there, uh, which, you know, makes me a little bit hesitant on them. Uh, but, you know, they have a guy in Trier who's a, an All-American. They've got Andre Ayton, who's a top-five NBA pick. Um, I, you know, Jackson Cartwright is a senior um, at the point guard spot. Once I get, you know, another thing is I want to see how Raleigh Alkins looks when he gets back from injury. I think he's one of the most important players on the team. And, uh, and not having him off the bat, you know, I just, I just want to see how he looks coming back from a foot injury. Let's not spend too much more time on teams before we shift into players, but I do want to, aside from the favorites, I want to get into some mid-majors and maybe just some overhyped teams, mid-major or not. And let's start with the mid-majors. Riggs, a team that we were talking about before the show is, is Vermont. I mean, we're slightly biased because our first guest this year on our podcast was Trey Bell Haynes, their point guard. But I really think in most people's conversations about the top flight mid-major schools, the Vermont Catamounts are right in the mix. And Right, rightly so, based on how many games in a row they won at one point last year and, and the, their season as a whole. Yeah, no, I had them. So I did a, a top 25 in mid-majors, and Vermont was five for me. Or six, okay. one of the two. Um, I'm super high on them. Like you mentioned, Trey Ball Haynes, Anthony Lamb are two guys that could play at pretty much anywhere in the country. And they have a coach who, uh, when I did my top 50 coaches, came in in the mid-30s. And John Becker, he's a guy that I thought Georgetown should have hired. Um, if they could have got out of the John Thompson tree, yeah, I thought they should have went after after Becker, especially because he has ties to the DMV with Tommy Gallaudet and everything like that. So, I, yeah, I, I'm really high in Vermont. They're going to defend the hell out of you. Um, they'll get in your shorts. They'll they'll dictate tempo. I think they're pretty heavy pretty heavy favorites to win the American East, even though Albany's another good team. But um, yeah, I, I think the combination of Trey Ball Haynes and, and Anthony Lamb make them what people are talking about, which is probably a 12 seed that people pick to win 12-5 game. And you mentioned those mid-major rankings. You had Bucknell uh, number one out of all yeah. your mid-major teams. What is it you like so much about them? Not a Fallon? They returned, yeah, they returned everybody from, from last year. Not a Fallon. They do an excellent job of dictating tempo on both sides of the floor, which is something I look at when I kind of gauge teams of, okay, can you play fast offensively and slow down your team defensively or vice versa? Can you speed up if you want to you, you play slow offensively and, and speed up your opponent? Can you do that? And they do that very well. They defend. They're super efficient. Um, they are also super balanced. Like, they have good depth. Um, and like I mentioned, they return everybody. Uh, and they, you know, they played what? They played Notre Dame. And they played they, – they, they lost to West Virginia, West Virginia last year. Yeah, yeah. they were West Virginia. They were a popular pick last year in that game. West Virginia was yeah. a really good team. You know, I just think Bucknell with what they return. You mentioned Nana Fallon. Um, he's a guy that can protect the rim, get your buckets. I, you know, I, I think they're gonna they're gonna win some non conference games, and it's gonna, you know, people will be surprised. And I would not be shocked to see them in the top twenty five at some point. Let's stay on the topic of mid majors, Reeks. How about a team like Middle Tennessee? I know they've got a lot of talent back, but they also lost Reggie Upshaw, and I'm sure a few other pieces as well. They're gonna. I think they're still a top. Top mid-major. I don't know where you had them ranked in your mid-major rankings. Yeah, I had them somewhere in my top ten, and it's just strictly because of Giddy Potts. Like they still have Giddy Potts. Great name. <laughs> yeah, one of the best names in college basketball. Um, but you know what? I'll tell you what. Like that conference is going to be pretty good this year. 
Uh, they're not like, you know, it's, it's not the typical year where you just put Middle Tennessee in and watch them go, what, 15-1 or whatever in the conference. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I think the fact that they still have Giddy Potts, who's a guy that, that can win you a game. Like, he can win you a game in the NCAA tournament if you get there makes them dangerous. Uh, and, and they have the experience. They have the head, you know, they return the same head coach. They have, this, have the experience of playing in these games and winning NCAA tournament games that they're a little bit different when you look at mid-majors just because, you know, how many mid-majors have won back-to-back NCAA tournament games? And so, I'm not counting Gonzaga or St. Mary's or someone like that. Yeah. We mentioned mid-majors like uh, Vermont, Bucknell, Middle Tennessee. Are there any other teams that come to mind when you think about mid-major teams that could be could surprise a lot of people this year? Uh, I mean, it's not a surprise, but Nevada, you have to mention them uh, if you consider the Mountain West uh, a mid-major. You know, Jordan Caroline, they get the Martin Twins in from NC State. Eric Musselman's a really good coach, brings some NBA philosophy to them. They're going to be a really, really good team. Um, Yale is going to be a really good team. They get Mekhi Mason back, if you remember him, from two NCAA tournaments ago where he just completely balled out against Baylor and Duke. Um, so he comes back. The, the Ivy is going to be an interesting league because you have Yale, who's who's the best team in the conference, but then Harvard returns Bryce Aiken, who's player of the year, you know, freshman of the year last year, probably win player of the year this year in the conference. Princeton is good enough to compete there. So you have three teams there out there. Um, some other mid-majors I like. Uh, I like Grand Canyon out in the whack. Um, Josh Brown. I'm a little biased. Yeah, yeah I'm, a little, <laughs> I'm a little biased to them with, with everything I've been doing with them, but you know, they haven't finished worse than third in the wax since, since they've been there. And yeah. when you have Braun, you have uh, uh, Casey Benson coming yeah. in from Oregon. It's just a completely different look. Um, so, you know, Grand Canyon is going to be another team. Um, but, yeah, those are kind of the mid-majors. The mid-majors are really good this year. Like, I, people should not be surprised if more than one mid-major is in the Sweet 16. I know you mentioned Gonzaga and St. Mary's aren't really, you know, as much as your typical mid-major teams because they have been so good, you know, especially Gonzaga. But, you know, I personally think that this is the year that St. Mary, St. Mary's really overtakes Gonzaga. I think they just lost too much talent, and I think St. Mary's just way more talented. Do you agree that, you know, this is the year that they do overtake Gonzaga as the powerhouse out there? Oh, yeah. Uh, St. Mary's is, what is my pick to win uh, the WCC. I think that they are – sneaky value pick to win the title just because I think the NCAA tournament's going to be super weird this year. I think you're going to see a lot. Of, it's not going to be chalk, and I think St. Mary's going to be like that five seed that makes a Final Four. Um, so if, if you're into that sort of thing, they're like 60 to 1. Uh, there's some good value there. But when you have a guy like Jock Landale, you have Emmett Nahr, who you know, they know how to run pick and roll. They know how to run that offense. Randy Bennett's one of the 12 best coaches in America. Um, they absolutely control tempo. They control the game. They make you. They make you play their style. Yeah, I think I and I, and I like Gonzaga too. Like I think Gonzaga is a little bit undervalued, but yeah, St. Mary's is definitely the team to beat. I was actually going to bring up Gonzaga as a team. I thought it was a little bit overhyped just based on where most people are ranking them at. But just for the sake of time, while we're on the topic of of Gonzaga and now St. Mary's, let's shift over to a discussion about some of the top players in the country and. Let's start with under-the-radar guys, because I think you could make a case that Jock Landale at St. Mary's is still somehow under the radar, and he's going to be a guy you're saying that St. Mary's could possibly be a sneaky national title pick. Are enough people talking about Jock Landale? And I, I don't, if, if not, I think it's going to happen sooner or later early in this season. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I feel like people are talking about him, but maybe just because I, I hear about him quite a bit and, and I've been talking about him. Um, so I, 
you know, I think he gets mentioned a lot. You know, he's been on preseason All-American teams. But, yeah, he's someone that people should pay attention to if they haven't yet. Like, last year, he was definitely under the radar. Um, yeah. Some other, under, some other under the radar guys, like, I mean, it's, you know, you, you hear a lot of the, the the same ones over and over again. But I think Javon Carter is a little undervalued with coming back. Um, staying out, out west, Gonzaga, like, Jonathan Williams could be an All-American. How about some um, other guys out west, like Peyton Pritchard at Oregon or Aaron Holiday at UCLA? Yeah, I'm I'm super high on Aaron Holiday. I think he's an absolute like he's gonna have a breakout year this year. Um, I had him first team All Pac-12. I, I he's gonna be he's gonna I had him top fifty my my fifty best players. He's I'm really high on Aaron Holiday. Uh, you mentioned Pritchard. Actually, I think a freshman out west that's getting under the radar that's gonna be a stud is Troy Brown with Oregon. Um, yeah, he's super. He's really valuable to that team. What they do offensively is gonna gonna depend on Troy Brown. So I think he's a little undervalued, especially because you hear so much about you know Marvin Bagley and Michael Porter and the guys at Kentucky and and everything like that. That somehow Troy Brown has kind of flown under the radar a little bit as a top fifteen recruit and McDonald's All American. So he's another guy. Um, Vladimir Brazianski at, T- at TCU, just because people laugh when they hear TCU and. Uh, big European white guy that I think people kind of disregard. Yeah. He's a little bit under the radar. Uh, Keenan Ev- uh, Evans at Texas Tech. Um, so there are, co- there are a couple guys there that, that are still a little bit um, under the radar that that will have breakout years that, that eventually we're going to talk about come, you know, February. Right, and the names I brought up with, with Pritchard and Holiday and Landale, just guys out west, that's partially just an East Coast bias, but to bring it to the East... I mean, E.C. Matthews is the best player on what many people think is the best team in the A-10, so I guess because he was injured for a year, people aren't really talking about them, but I bring them up because our guy over here, Dan, is saying that he's not buying the Rhode Island hype train this year. Yeah, I've been hearing E.C. Matthews hyped up for what feels like 10 years now. Each year, Rhode Island fans telling me he's the best point guard in the A-10. I personally think that the best point guard in the A-10 is Jalen Adams, and I'd even go as far to say that St. Bonaventure has the best backcourt in the A-10 with Matt Mobley and Jalen Adams. Full Those- disclosure, Dan transferred to Fordham from St. Bonaventure, so there could be a little bias. Uh, no, I, I think Mobley oh. and Adams is, is probably yeah, better, but Rhode Island might be deeper in terms of guards. What's your take on that, Reeks? I don't think it's close. I think St. Bonaventure is absolutely the better backcourt. That's and right. I think, I think Jalen Adams is absolutely a better player than E.C. Matthews. I, I, you know, I'm not buying the Rhode Island hype a whole ton. Like they weren't my top 25. I got yelled at. I didn't have Dan Hurley in my top 50 coaches. I got yelled at. But <laughs> like it's just, it's the same thing. Like Rhode Island, like they've struggled, and now you can chalk them up to injuries. They looked really good at the end of last year, uh, and obviously, like probably should have beat Oregon, but they didn't. So, but that's what people remember. They don't remember, you know, the up and down a 10 year, the non conference not getting wins. So. Yeah, you know, like, they're a top 40 team. They're the best team in the A-10, but the A-10 kind of sucks this year. Um, I'm not buying them, like, as a Final Four contender. I don't necessarily think them as a second weekend type team. Like, if they get there, I wouldn't be necessarily shocked, but I'm not going to pick them there blindly um, or feel like if they if they don't make it there, I don't feel like the season's a letdown or something like that. But, um yeah, you know, like, yeah, they're a little bit deeper in the backcourt, but talent-wise, like, I'll take Mobley and uh, Jalen Adams over anyone else in the A-10. And talking about Jalen Adams, this is a bit of a random question, but me and, I know you know, intern Jack Mack, too, he, he's a good friend of mine. We, we were having this 
debate today uh, over who the better Jalen Adams is because the other one was on our mind uh, after he got in the scooter incident at UConn. So who, who do you think the better Jalen Adams is? Now that we have a, you know, a better college basketball mind on, I want to sort of settle this. The one from St. Bonaventure. Agre- okay, again, thank you, thank I, you. I don't think it's... I don't think it's, it's close. It's, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, an easy decision. I agree, thank you. I, I will tell him that tomorrow. Yeah, no, I will like... <laughs> I, will, I, I think... I fight with UConn, UConn fans all the time. I'll be happy to say it again. The Jalen bar- Adams from St. Bonaventure is a lot better than Jalen Adams from UConn. The Barstool guy's taken over. For our listeners that don't know, Tom is an intern at Barstool, and obviously Riggs is works for Barstool. So let's go from under-the-radar guys to more well-known names. Your, your Miles Bridges, Grayson Allen types, Bonzi Colson. Let's talk about the National Player of the Year award and our favorites to win that at least here in the preseason, because I know you've been high on Villanova all preseason, and I'm very high on Villanova with Jalen Brunson. I think Miles Bridges is probably the, the, the trendy pick right now, but Jalen Brunson is a an under-the-radar pick for National Player of the Year. But I feel like more people over the last couple of days are kind of hyping him up in that position. Yeah, I'm a little upset because I, I, I had Jalen Brunson as my National Player of the Year, and I wanted to be the only one that had him. <laughs> Because, you know, it's a little bit contrarian. Like, yes, Miles Bridges is the best player in college basketball. I don't think that's an argument. But, I, you know, Jalen Brunson's one of the five best players in college basketball. And he's going to, like, to me, he's going to win National Play of the Year because Villanova's going to win 30 games. Brunson was better than Josh Hart in the Big East last year. Now, the question is, was that because teams wanted to take away Josh Hart? Was it the development of Jalen Brunson? I happen to think it was a little bit of both. So I think that carries over. Like Jalen Brunson is the smartest player in college basketball. He gets that from his dad. Like he's always just been smarter than everyone else when he's played. He can play bully ball. Like he's going to get to the rim. He's not super flashy, but he'll just bully a guard down there. He became a much better shooter, both off the dribble and off the catch and shoot last year from the three point line. This year, like. I think Villanova might be a better team than they were last year, and they were the number one overall seed last year. Yeah, I think uh, Omari Spellman's going to be huge for them this year. Yeah, so I was talking to a, a, a guy on staff. I was talking to someone on staff at Villanova, and, and I asked him about Spellman, and he's just like, man, he's a beast. Like, he's an excellent passer out of the post, which I did not expect. Him. A lot of people haven't expected from him. And, uh, you know, the question is if, if Omari Spellman can – defend and switch on their pick and rolls like they like doing defense Villanova is one of the three best teams in the country one team that we haven't mentioned is Duke and and they're loaded uh with individual talent whether it's Duval Bagley Grayson Allen is is there one specific guy on Duke that you think you know is maybe most likely to win the Wooden Award I know that would be probably Grayson Allen out of the guys mentioned but is there a specific guy maybe on Duke that you think is going to be the difference maker for them well that's there's two different questions and two different answers. The right. guy most likely to win the Wooden Award is definitely Grayson Allen. The guy that's most important is Trayvon Duvall. Um, because Duke hasn't had a point guard since Tyus Jones when they won a title and when they were successful. Like, Frank Jackson wasn't, wasn't a point guard. Derek Thornton wasn't really a point guard. They're, Trayvon Duvall is the, that's the closest thing to a point guard they've had since Tyus Jones, which allows Grayson Allen to play off the ball where he's most successful. So if Trayvon Duvall can be what people think he is and what he should be, that's the difference maker. So obviously we mentioned the freshman from Duke in Duval, Marvin Bagley, DeAndre Ayton, Michael Porter, all big names for freshmen this year. What are the, Out of the freshmen, are there certain guys that you think are going to do 
better or guys that are going to disappoint? What do you think? I, you know, I don't know who's going to necessarily disappoint because it's kind of like a subjective term. But, you know, I think they're all going to be fine. Like, they all fit pretty well in the system. Look at, if you look at, like, Marvin Bagley, like, he doesn't have to go score 25 a game because Grayson can do that because they have Trayvon Duvall, they have Wendell Carter, they have Gary Trent. You know, he's going to defend the rim. He's going to rebound really well. Um, you know, I, I don't see, like, a, a huge bust out of any of these any of these top guys. You know, Michael Porter can absolutely play. Um, you mentioned Duvall. Like, I think Duvall is going to be fine. Because, again, he has a little bit of bailout with Grayson in the backcourt and, and Gary Trent on the wing. Um, you know, the Kentucky guys, who knows, because it's all freshmen. Like, somebody's not going to put up numbers just by the fact that there's so many of them. So if you want to say, like, hey, he can live up to expectations, I, I understand that. But, you know, it's, I, I, I just don't see, like, that guy where I'm like, ooh, I don't like the fit there mm-hmm. at all from uh, the, the, the big-time freshman. Last thing on the – at least on the National Player of the Year topic – uh, we talked about Bridges, Brunson, and some of the top freshmen. What about some of these big guys that could sneak into the conversation? Bonzi Colson at Notre Dame, and even Ethan Happ at Wisconsin. He's not even that big of a guy. I mean, he, he is a big man, but he's... well, he averages like a double double. I mean, yeah, I know what I'm saying. He's only like six five, six six. Yeah, so I mean, like Colson or Happ, Riggs, who do you think could surprise and win this award? Um, I think Colson, and then I, you know, I think there's a guy that you haven't even mentioned who I like more than Ethan Happ, and that's Angel Delgado. Yeah. Um, Angel Delgado was Caleb. Like he was, he was putting up. He was just as efficient as Caleb Swanigan last year, just without the height, because he wasn't hitting threes and he was playing better later in the year. Um, so it was already like, well, we have Caleb Swanigan. Well, Delgado, like, look at the numbers and look at like the the percentages in terms of, like offensive rebound percentage, defensive rebounding percentage, everything like that. Like they were very similar, both very efficient. Like Del- Delgado's a walking double double. The dude, like. Would not be surprised if he like leads the leads the country in rebounding. He's averaged what sixteen and fourteen last year. He's going to average like similar numbers. Or it wouldn't surprise me if he goes up to like eighteen and fifteen this year. Like he's a guy that I think over Ethan Happ, who I would slide into that National Player of the Year race. All right, so I think that'll you know I, I don't want to talk spend too much more time talking about the players. I want to talk about it's kind of just like a random section, just a mishmash of, of topics to touch on. First, I mean, I know we said we don't really want to talk about it, but, I mean, it is obviously a topic of discussion. How much of a factor do you think the FBI investigations and all those scandals are going to have on the season this year? Is it just going to be like a black cloud weighing over everything all season? Yeah, I mean, in terms of what to expect, I have no idea, and nobody does. Like, anybody that tells you they have an idea is a liar because nobody has sources in the FBI. It's much like the investigation went two and a half years and no one knew a thing, and then all of a sudden, everyone now has a source in the FBI. Right. Like, oh, we're hearing this. Like, no, you aren't. You're just making stuff up. Um, it, it, so in terms of what to expect, I literally have no idea. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. I don't know if it's going to happen next year. What? But, I mean, we've already seen it. Like, is Colin Sexton going to play or not? Like, right. the black clouds is going to hang over all these guys and everything like that and, and until something gets said by either the FBI or the NCAA – to clear these guys or, or, or just rule them ineligible. But yeah, it, it sucks, man. It just, it's a black cloud over the entire thing. So Louisville was another school involved. Obviously Rick Patino left the team. What are your expectations for them this season? Do you think they could be a, a true competitor? Yeah, I still think they're like one of the three best teams in the ACC and the top 15 team in the country, because you know, the one thing that helps is they do, they have David Paget, so like they're not changing systems or anything like that. Um, you know, it's 
They have Dingadell. They have Quentin Snyder. Um, I think Ray Spalding is, is a guy that, that can make a jump this year. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would not be surprised if they're in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Like I said, I think they're a top three team in the ACC, which, as we know, the ACC is really good. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to lighten it up a little bit because we know you've been doing a lot of these preseason podcasts, and a lot of them are focused on the investigations and who's going to play and when are they going to play and all that. Let's talk a little bit about something you probably haven't been asked much, but just for our listeners out there, and you're the guy at Barstool that handles their college basketball stuff, how did you really get your start in writing and talking about college basketball and getting so big into into this realm? So I, I, was, I was a journalism major in college. Um, I covered Kentucky basketball in college and kind of always just stuck with it. Um, I was writing for a couple other sites and you know, I've kind of bounced around different internet sites and everything like that. So, but I've like my degree is in is in journalism. So I yeah, I've been writing about college basketball from a quote professional level now for oh, 11, 12 years, something like that. Do you have like a specific moment you could think back on of when you fell in love with college basketball? I mean, I was young. Like I, like my, my dad went to Wake Forest, and all like his like my grandfather, my grandfather's, my uncles. My cousin is the same age as me, and you know my dad. It's just like we've always just always watched basketball since we were since we were young. I, there's no specific moment. I just it's, it's just one of those like I I just always watched it. Like my mom always tells the story of like when I was a baby, all I wanted to do was watch Georgetown basketball. <laughs> like that's what I wanted to watch. I don't know why. It's like Georgetown basketball in the '80s, but um, yeah. So it's just one of those like I, there's nothing that like no specific moment where I'm like oh my god I love this. It was just always. Well, it's college basketball season. I'm excited. I remember. Um, no, go ahead. I was going to say, the, I mean, the one moment that, that sticks out in terms of, like, kind of, I guess, changed my tone about it all was when Randolph Childress crossed up Jeff McInnes and gave him the come hither in the uh, 95 ACC tournament. We're, we, like, were all, I, we were all born in 96. <laughs> that's so. before our time. Right. So I wore 22 my entire life for Randolph Childress after that play. Okay. Nice. I, I remember like this is a much weirder, I guess, memory, but I just remember like back when I was like 13, 14, always filling out brackets for like my dad's work pool. Like I didn't follow it all during the regular season, but I just remember falling in love with it in March. And I would just spend like two, three days, just like that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon, just trying to read like every article I could so that I could fill out my bracket. I remember I used to bring my laptop into the bathroom with me even because I wanted All right, to have this every, is just getting graphic no, now. I know it's weird, but I wanted to have every second <laughs> of research I could. I know it's, it's, it's a pre-crime move. But. Speaking of brackets, though, let's stay on this. Riggs, you're obviously, a, I guess we can call you a professional, at least in terms of breaking down college basketball. And one of your new colleagues in the industry now is Tom Crean, the former Indiana coach. And I have to bring up his final four picks for this season because I don't know if you saw it, but he has Xavier Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Florida in the final four with Xavier winning it all. How crazy is that from Tom <laughs> Crean? I don't think it's super crazy because, like I mentioned, like I think the NCAA tournament's going to get weird this year. Like I, Everyone's picking – Michigan State, uh, everyone's putting in Michigan State, Villanova, Kansas, Arizona, and Duke of some sort. Like, those five are pretty much in every bracket. Yeah. Well, but it's not going to happen. Like, it's happened once in the last, I don't even know how many years, where we've seen four of the top, you know, six teams to start the season make the Final Four, and that was 15 when it was Kentucky, Duke, Wisconsin, Michigan State. Like, three of the, like, Michigan State was a little bit down, but, you know, three of the top four teams made it. That just doesn't happen um, often. So, you know, 
Is it crazy? Yes, it looks crazy right now because you're not looking at matchups. You're not looking at brackets, and you're like, oh my god, he's not picking, you know, Michigan State to win it. He's not picking Duke to win it. What, what you know, what the heck's going on here? And uh, you know, but I mean, he he picked four top twenty teams to make it. It's not like he's taken, you know, DePaul or Rutgers or something like that. <laughs> um, so it's still four top twenty teams that should all be, you know, top five six teams. I I, I don't. I mean, is it? Is it off the wall? Yes, but I don't think it's necessarily crazy. Yeah, I agree 100%. I actually like Xavier a lot this year. Trayvon Blewett put on an absolute show towards the end of last season. And Chris Mack, I think he's he's one of the most underrated coaches in all of college basketball after his performance last season. Xavier shocked a lot of people, and this year I don't think that it's going to be that much of an upset. The first games, they're going to show people what they're all about, and I think Xavier is going to be a legit title uh, contender come the end of the season. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, you know, I think Matt's a, a really, really good coach. He's one of the 10 best coaches in, in America. Um, Trayvon Blewett, if he's healthy, we saw what he what he can do when he's healthy. Uh, he wasn't healthy all last year. He was healthy in March when he looked like one of the five best players in college basketball. Um, you know, the freshman class, Paul Scruggs and Najee Marshall are, are both, you know, well-respected and, and spoken pretty highly of. Um, I, I, you know, I like the Xavier team. You know, they're – there, there are a bunch of teams that can win, you know, make the Final Four or win a title that I'm not going to be surprised by, and Xavier's one of them. Absolutely, and we're going to move into our Start the Buses segment in a second, but I just want to talk about our show, and obviously uh, we've had some guests, as we've alluded to so far this preseason. We haven't had anyone from Xavier, but just kind of curious on your thoughts about our mix of guests that we've had. I'll list them out here because I want to know where you think a team that was c- comprised of our guests would be ranked heading into this year. So I'll run it by position. At point guard, we'd have Trey Bell Haynes from Vermont with Brandon Goodwin from Florida Gulf Coast also in the mix. Shooting guard Tyler Hall from Montana State with Josh Braun from Grand Canyon. Small forward Alizé Johnson from Missouri State and Kevin Hervey from UT Arlington. And then our big guys would be William Lee from UAB and Drew Eubanks from Oregon State. Where do you think that team, how good could that team be? I know we're a little... We're a little thin in the front court, but I think just reading that out right now, it sounds pretty good on paper. Yeah, that's a top twenty-five team, probably somewhere <laughs> in the twenty-five range. I feel like um, you have some, you have a lot of shooting with Hall and Braun. Um, you have Alize Johnson. Yeah, Alize Johnson. Who else did you say you have point? You had uh, Trey Bell Haynes and, and Brandon Goodwin from FGCU. Goodwin, I like Goodwin a lot. Um, I like Paul Haynes a lot. So you have guys that can defend. You have decent rebounding from the guard spot. Yeah, I think they put them somewhere like 21. And we mentioned Josh Braun from GCU. Uh, you're doing a season-long feature on them all season long. Do you want to explain uh, you know, a little bit what that feature is all about and why you're drawn to their story? Yeah, so it's the first year they're eligible for postseason Division One play. Uh, they finished the transition period, what they call it, when you uh, transition from – Division two to Division one, um, and then the fact that you know why, why I was drawn to it is the fact that they're good. Like, they, yeah. like I mentioned before, they've never finished worse than third in the WAC. They have a legit shot to make the NCAA tournament this year in their first year. We saw Northern Kentucky do it last year, where they uh, where they won the Horizon League tournament and qualified in their first year, um, which was just kind of a cool story. And you know, you throw in guys like Joshua Braun, who's, who's a really good player, Casey Benson, and his transfer. Uh, his brother's an assistant coach at Grand Canyon. And then the fact that Dan Marley's the head coach, obviously everyone my age grew up watching Dan Marley. Dan Marley 
sponge jerseys like every kid owned at some point. Um, so it's just a really cool story. Their fan base is, is really passionate. Their home games are awesome. So it, it, you know, it just all kind of made sense to try to do something with them. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're certainly a great story and a great student section as well, which is the name of, of our podcast, The Student Section. And one of the segments we do is the Start the Buses segment. So let's roll into that. It's just usually a bunch of rapid-fire questions, and we'll ask the players some more personal things. But with you, it's going to be more questions about teams and, and just the 2017-18 NCAA season as a whole. So my first question is, which team is going to outperform expectations this season? Because I'm looking at a team like Oregon. I don't know what you think. Yeah, Oregon's one. Seton Hall's another. Um, I'll go with those two as kind of my, my quicker answer. All right, your favorite type of defense, I know you've been breaking down you know, some of the different offensive and defensive schemes. If you were a college basketball coach, what defensive scheme would you run? I would not run a 2-3 zone, that's for, that's for sure. <laughs> Me neither. I would run a man-to-man with a heavy trap, especially on ball screens. I'd, I'd throw in some pack line tendencies, but uh, it'd, be, it'd be man-to-man, it'd be pressure. Uh, it'd be a little bit like what Florida runs. I'm all in on the uh, pack line. I'm like the pack line guy here. I think it's just such an awesome defense. It's like so hard to like un- like to actually implement. I think as a coach, but if you can run it effectively, I think that it's it's far and away the best. Yeah, yeah, especially the game. It makes sense. So you you went to Kentucky for undergrad. What's the best game you've seen live? Best game I saw live. Um, man, that's a good question. Like when I was there, we. When I was there, Kentucky basketball sucked. Like, I was there for the last two years of Tubby and the two years of Gillespie. So I didn't see, like, really good basketball. Um, that wasn't Jody Meeks, was it? Yeah, I was there for Jody Meeks okay. uh, the, year he, the year he was an All-American. I'll tell you what, the best game I saw live was Kentucky with Rajon Rondo. He had a three at the buzzer to beat South Carolina uh, in Rupp Arena my sophomore year. And it was, it was a close game the entire time. Like I said, I didn't see a lot of good games in person. Um, but that one that one probably would be the one that I remember All right. in terms of good games. Gotcha. Let's keep it moving on Start the Buses. Scale of 1 to 10, how weird did you think Duke's every time we touch dance routine was at their Midnight Madness? Uh, three to regular people, or seven to regular people, two to Duke people. <laughs> Uh, so what I know, there's a lot of talk about football guys out there, like coach-wise. But if there was such thing as a basketball guy, who do you? What coach do you think basketball would most mind embody that? <laughs> uh, Jimmy Pastos from Siena. That's a that's good a good pick. one. So I'm thinking <laughs> Tom Crean, but he's not. He's not. Yeah, but anymore. he's just yeah. such a basketball. Bob Huggins guy. is a good yep. one. Huggins came to mind too, but I think Pastos is like Pastos is a little different, man. He he's got that he's got that basketball guy in him. You go Leon Rice from Boise State, too. He did something crazy last year. Yeah. Eric he Musselman. ate fire? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Eric Musselman from Nevada would be another good choice. Like, he's always shirtless after they win fire. <laughs> so if Wichita State and Kentucky were to have a rematch this year, who would win? On a neutral court? Neutral court, March? yep. Neutral court in March, I'm taking Kentucky. Neutral court early in the year, I'm taking Wichita State. All right, percent chance that Seton Hall wins the Big East, because I know you're big on Villanova. Uh, 10%. If there, I just don't think anybody's beating Villanova. If there's one player out there that could have 
you know, I'll say a Kemba Walker like run like he did in 2011, where he really puts the team on his back, has a great showing in the conference tourney, and then just stays on a hot streak uh, throughout the rest of the tournament. Who would it be? Um, all right, I'm trying to think of like a little lower in the rankings or right. something like that. I usually think of like um, a guard. Yeah, yeah, like Bruce Brown from Miami could do that, but he had some help with Lonnie. But that actually kind of makes sense with with Lonnie Walker. Like that's like your your Shabazz yeah. to Kemba Walker, your boat right to Kemba Walker to Shabazz. I'll, I'll go Bruce Brown. I'll go Bruce Brown for Miami. So, which national championship was your favorite? As a Kentucky fan, you're talking about? Uh, well, it could be Kentucky or just one that you watched as a fan without any rooting interest that you enjoyed the most. So, my favorite was Kentucky beating Kansas in 2012. As a fan, though, like the one that sticks out was 97 when Arizona beat Kentucky in overtime. Even though um, your team lost? So, I didn't grow up a Kentucky fan. Like, I grew up a Wake Forest fan. Oh, yeah, you mentioned um, that. Yeah, so, and like, I, I'm not from Kentucky. I'm from the East Coast, so... That, that game was one that I just remember, like, I still remember where I watched it. I, like, I, I picked Arizona to win it in the bracket this year. So that that's probably, like, my favorite non-2012 Kentucky one. Okay, this is my last question. I think Tom, across from me, has one more before we wrap up the show. Tom fills out a ton of brackets each year. I'm just curious, oh, as geez. you being a basketball <laughs> I was the gonna. Worst. I was. That's the worst. Yeah, I was gonna say, how many brackets do you fill out each year? So I'm gonna guess that it's one. Yeah, I mean, I do one bracket and I'll enter it into a couple. Yeah, you know, like I'm in like three or four. So I, I, I really cut down on brackets. Like there's so much better stuff to do now. Um, but you know, I still do brackets. But yeah, I, I, I only fill out one and I enter it into to the one. There's, Tom, there's nothing watch. wrong with filling out like 30 brackets. Like I only there's have, a ton wrong. No, with that. I only have one that yeah. I enter into actual pools. Yeah, but, but then I like to have 30. Right. No, I like to have 30 on ESPN, and the off chance I get one perfect bracket. I'm due one no, of these years. No, no statistically no. speaking, if I fill out Ooh. 30 brackets a year for like three straight years, I'll get a perfect. Bracket. I hate for, like three million. Is that a hole in one? <laughs> yeah, I hate that. You have one shot. Well, that's that's. I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. Do you have a good question here to save yourself here as we uh, wrap up? The maybe show? I was going to say if you were put in charge of college basketball for a day, what's one rule change that you would make? <laughs> How much time you got? <laughs> uh, you can only pick one. Just specific to the game, or to like, could I change like, like something? No, let's not say like payment or anything. Just like more like right. affecting gameplay. I would add defensive three seconds to try to take away some of those charge calls because refs never get charge calls right. Okay. Fair enough. I think that's all we got. You guys good? Yeah, well, uh, no, I want to throw one thing oh out there because this is our season preview episode, and they're like one of my – I mean, they're not a super sleeper. They're ranked, you know, top 25. But I just want to get your take on Minnesota. I'm really high on Minnesota. I think Mason and Coffee is a really good duo. Reggie Lynch in the front court. And I'm, I'm all in the Patino family. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm really sad we don't got Ricky P to root for anymore, but I'm thinking Rich Patino will take over. So I, they're a sneaky Final Four pick for me. I think Minnesota, so I know this is sort of a weird question to end the show with, but what do you think of Minnesota this year? Yeah, like, uh, Rachel Lynch is one of the best defenders in the country. Nate Mason needs to be more efficient. Uh, I think they're the second-best team in the Big Ten. I don't think they're Final Four caliber. They're second-week in caliber. Uh, but they're good. Like, they're a top-20 team in the country. That's across the, across the board, so it's hard, hard to be upset with that if you're a Minnesota fan. Um, but, yeah, you know, Rachel Lynch, like I said, he's, he might be the best defender in the country. After all that, we end by talking about the Minnesota Gophers. Well, so. look, this is our season preview, so if they do go to the Final Four, I basically just wanted it on record that I said that. Fair enough. All right, that's going to do it for Barstool Reagues. Thanks so much for joining us. And my co-host, Tom Scabelli and Dan DiOrio. I'm Matt Murphy. Be a fan of the student section. Ah!